Welcome to another episode of the Paradigm 132 Podcast. I am your humble and gracious host, Rashad Horn. In the continuation of the U.S. Today articles that I felt deserved a little bit more commentary, I am coming forward with a what I will refer to as an opinion piece by a guest columnist. And the reason I refer to it as an opinion piece because as I went through the article, I was able to look at it from the perspective that, oh, okay, you're you're speaking about your personal experience and applauding um, some of the measures that um, current uh, Secretary of Education Betsy DeVos or Davos or however you enunciate her name has pushed forward, right? So, title of the article is Student Loans. Is your degree worth the debt? Uh, written by Spencer Brown, as I know that he's a guest columnist for the USA Today. So, student loan debt is at $1.5 trillion. I don't know how far back they are accounting this debt for, but it's at $1.5 trillion in rising. So, just to give you a reference... I went to Experian to talk about the highest forms of debt, uh, well, consumer debt in the U.S. So, obviously, mortgage loans are at an all-time high. And this is from last year. This is from, this is from 2019. So, uh, I'm sure, obviously, with the new year, um, <clears throat> excuse me, around the corner, um, we're just getting started. I'm sure the data has already been... Uh, brought in from 2020, so technically I'm well, I'm a year behind. But again, but then at the same time, I don't know when they accounted for this this study. But anyway, <clears throat> mortgage loans 9.6 trillion, auto loans 1.3 trillion, student loans last year were 1.4 trillion, so they've gone up. You know, credit card debt 829 billion. That's consumer. Uh, home equity lines of credit sits at $420 billion, personal loan debt $305 billion, and retail credit card debt at a record high of $90 billion. So just to <clears throat> look at the company that student loan debt is in. But one of the things that um, student loan debt has that's different than all the rest of those debts. And I'm sure you know what it is. I'm sure you do. But if you don't, I'm going to tell you. In each one of those particular cases, you need a credit score of some kind to apply for these particular types of loans. Um, and you need a good credit score, depending on... Um, well, just to put it into context, say, for instance, you take out sixty or $70,000 over the lifetime of your schooling. So in order to borrow sixty or $70,000, you know you need X amount of years, probably over eight to nine years of average credit age and probably anything over a 750 credit score. You don't need that for student loan debt. Not at all. Nowhere near it. 
As a matter of fact, I don't even know if they even check to see if you have any credit. <laughs> right? But I guarantee you they're going to be reporting somewhere uh, if you go into deferment. <laughs> I guarantee you they're going to be reporting somewhere. Right? So, you know, just to get into the article, I'm just going to highlight some of the things that I thought that were interesting talking pieces and just, you know, weigh in on them. So, this is the first one, right? So, it says, student loans are a drag. In America, they amount to $1.5 trillion. They sh That staggering total is held by roughly 45 million Americans, right? So, put that into context. I believe last tally was like 350 million Americans. So, 45 million out of 350 have student loan debt. Said including me. It's more than fair to call the mess we're in a crisis. But solutions will not be found through government forgiveness of student debt. Let's pause for a minute. <clears throat> if anybody's been following, um, well, I'm not even going to say if anybody's been following. Because even if you didn't want to follow this, 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 this election that we just had, or if you didn't, or policies and stuff like that you got immersed this year right you couldn't there was no way you could hide there was no rock there was no nothing that you could hide from you were going to be immersed in this in this year point blank period right one of the things that was talked about what well, has been talked about and multiple different things from junior college being free um to Forgiving up to a certain amount of uh, of debt. I believe the number was, well, I'll just go ahead and read it, right? Because I'm, I'm, I'm skipping over some other things, but let me go ahead and read it. There's no need to, to, to hip-hop around it since it, it runs great with what I'm trying to talk about. So he said, renewed calls by Joe Biden to forgive student loans are ignorant of reality. These are his words. Biden plans to start a program that forgives $10,000 worth of undergraduate or graduate student loan debt in exchange for community service, capped at five years. Senate Democrats Elizabeth Warren and Chuck Schumer pushed for even more, urging Biden to cancel $50,000 of student loan debt through executive action. Okay, so... That saved me <laughs> from going into my my memory bank here by him providing that information toward you know in the article. So when we're talking about forgiving student loan debt, the first thing that comes to my mind is what um, Robert or Frederick um, Smith, Robert Smith, um, just did for the brothers at Morehouse College. In which he was going to pay their student loan debt. I can't forget the 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 amount that it was, but he's giving those brothers an opportunity to have um, freedom to where a lump sum of your earnings would not be because we can consider that a tax. We you can you can label it in whatever category you want to label it in, but it's a liability, right? So he freed those brothers of a massive liability right so obviously you had individuals from the previous graduating class as well as individuals from the graduating class that's going to precede them 
um, not precede them. <laughs> I'm using the wrong words. That's going to come after them. That may be looking at it like, man, what about me, right? Or woe is me, you know. So it's one. It's it's one of those situations. It's it's kind of like you know sometimes you don't necessarily want to stick your neck out there. You want to stick your head out there. But he found it in the goodness of his heart to come forward and do something like that and. Very commendable, right? It's very, very commendable. So, <clears throat> this is one of the conversations that my wife and I have, right? And, you know, she is in, she's a part of that 45 million. And so, you know, we have this conversation, you know, often because obviously uh, we're married. So, it's not just her debt, you know, I married her. So, um, it's ours, right? So I take ownership of it. Same way, if I would have married a woman that that had a, a a child, a younger child, or something like that, I just can't say, oh well, you know, that's better go find a daddy. You know, I'm I'm with you. You know, it's one of those situations, right? So obviously, she feels like it should be forgiven, um, and I'm. I'm kind of in the mindset of I'm not a big advocate of post-secondary education. Even though I did my two years at community college, I got my degree um, <laughs> after uh, after an additional year, you know, and still barely got it in. But I'm just not a large advocate of it, right? Because my think, my thinking process is that, especially because my wife is in a very unique subject. She's in psychology. And the reason I call it unique is because you're in a field in which you get to study a person's mind. You get to study a person's mannerisms. And then you get to base it on theory. And you can essentially project out how a person is going to behave and you can even offer guidance to help a person to not jump off the cliff. So I really think that's a really powerful type of thing. And I tell my wife, I say, people undervalue psychology, right? People undervalue sociology. When we got a subject that the basis of it is I can do a case study on you based on your personality and I can pretty much within reason dictate how it is that you're going to behave when you're faced with adversity, when you're faced with happiness, when you're faced with sadness, when you are on the verge of getting depressed and all these particular different things like this. And to an extent, depending on how smooth you are with it, you can actually manipulate a person into doing something just because you understand the way that they behave, right? So I don't think people really, really put psychology as well as sociology in the proper um, hierarchy when we talk about things. Because if you can control a person's mind, you basically control that person's body, right? So if I know how you're going to act before you act it, I can... I can kind of do some things, right? But not to get too far off on a tangent. So I told my wife, because obviously she's in psychology, and study Freud, um, whoever the other three um, psychologists that, that we studied. And I said, a lot of these guys are self-taught, right? 
A lot of people are self-taught. Like, it's, when you really look at it, a lot of these individuals that are in these books that study their ideologies and things like this, a lot of these individuals self-taught, right? And someone found a way to monetize something that someone did on their own. Benjamin Banneker, a perfect example, right? Self-taught, astrologist, wrote an almanac, created the first working clock, not created the first timepiece, because I feel like that is something that we have to distinguish or differentiate, because he got the idea for the clock from a timepiece, right? Developed the compass, all these particular different things like this, self-taught, trial and error, right? So that's, and most people say experience is the best teacher, right? So, you know, from any type of field, like a person would say, well, you know, certain fields you have to go to school for. And I'm sitting there thinking to myself, I'm like, wait a minute, no. Prior to doing it this way, somebody did it. Without all of this debt, they just learned to like someone pulling someone's tooth. They pulled it, you know, they pulled it, right? A lot, a lot of the, a lot of the, the maybe some of the basic things. Now, obviously, when you're talking about cutting somebody's head and stuff like that, obviously, there's probably some studies that you know done to to do stuff like that, like neurology and things of that particular nature. But the vast majority of these things started. From individuals that were self-taught, that had experience within life. And now it has been utilized and monetized. And individuals who are probably, if they were still alive today, would be two and three hundred years old. Their legacy is still revered. But you weren't an intellectual. In the common sense of what an intellectual is considered today, a person with a PhD, right? It's not Dr. Freud, right? It wasn't Dr. Benjamin Banneker. It wasn't Dr. Benjamin Franklin, right? So we, y'all are self-taught individuals, right? Which shows the, the genius that's inside of someone when they're left, the, left alone and their curiosity leads them to something versus you cramming something on them. Now, I'm not here to jump on the school system anyway. Again, <laughs> let me stop because this is not the subject or the basis of the discussion today. We're just talking about an opinion piece about student loan debts. So, again, getting back to the point, my wife feels like, you know, it should be forgiven. And to an extent, I feel like, you know, yeah, y'all, majority of y'all have been taken advantage of. Because the, the, the new argument now is that you go into debt, <clears throat> especially if, you go, if you're going to graduate school, right? <clears throat> you go into debt for 60, 70, you know, 80. I think the average, average student loan debt is, is, is going up and it's right at like, I think like 30 some thousand dollars, maybe $34,000, somewhere in there, right? For careers that gross listen to what i'm saying gross are only going to pay you $34,000 right that's gross 
So we haven't gotten to the deduction for Social Security, the deduction for state taxes, the deduction for federal taxes, um, the taxes that you pay unknowingly or that you don't look at. You just look at it as a way of life. Your sales tax on items when you go to stores, uh, gasoline tax, you know, your annual tag, you know, if you have insurance in which you have to have a copay. So, tires, you know, certain maintenance that you may have on a vehicle and stuff like that. So, when you add all of those particular things up, and we're not talking about things that are necessi necessities for you to live, like your rent or your mortgage, your lights, your water, you know, expenses with food and stuff like that. But even in those areas, you're paying a tax. You have property tax on your house. You have insurance. All these particular different things. So when you add all of those particular things up off of $34,000, and once you deduct every single one of them, what do you have in your pocket? And this is after, again, federal, state, Social Security. Those three coming out point blank period. Right now, if you got a 401k that's coming out, um, you know, if you opted in for your jobs benefits, which, you know, depending on the, the benefits, those are good to opt into. But that has to come out. So that 34,000 net is probably 28, maybe 27. But. You will have you have thirty four thousand dollars worth of student loan debt that I looked at my wife's um, breakdown. Right, each loan was broken up into its own different category, and each loan was assigned its own interest rate. Huh? Each loan, which was basically given by the same, um, was subsidized by the same entity that has individual interest rates. So obviously, yeah, like the interest rates are like 2%, 3%, 4 5 But if you add those up, and it's like, dang, this is like 14, 15% interest, right? And it's compounding. Is compounding even when you say I want to do a deferment, right? It's still compounding. But to go back to the article here, this is what he said. Um, he talks about obviously all the different loans. You got your FAFSA, you got your master promissory notes, Pell Grant subsidized, unsubsidized, you know. And he says a general lack of clarity on how repayment works muck up a consequential decision for each rising generation. And he continues on to say, so two is the lack of transparency schools provide for their different degree programs. Students should have the information necessary to avoid taking out tens or hundreds of thousands of dollars in student loans 
only to end up working in an industry where the degree isn't required or to pay for a useless credential in obscure fields. I've heard my wife tell me on multiple occasions. <clears throat> the schooling involved to get certain jobs is over is 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 too much. It's too much. Like the job that certain people are doing in which requires bachelor's, master's degrees. You 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 basically just like what like think about some of the jobs, right? Just let's let's think about it for a second. You know, not to get too far off a topic. When you look at the requirement of some of these jobs, they say proficient in Microsoft Office, right? Let's think for a second. I learned Microsoft Office in eighth grade. Right? Went to college, had to take a computer class, you know, learned spreadsheet, stuff like that. But these are things that I had with a high school degree, right? I meant diploma, not degree, high school degree, <laughs> diploma. But you're telling me that I need to have a piece of paper that I've gained after four years of post-secondary education to get a job where one of the requirements is for me to be proficient in something that I made an A in in the eighth grade. Come on, man. Oh my goodness I need a post-secondary degree to be now obviously I'm just using this as an example but I've looked at some of the jobs that my wife you know when she's on job boards and looking and I'm sitting up here looking at the qualifications I'm like I qualify for this job and I ain't got nothing but an associate's qualify for this you know but you know it is what it is I can talk about this all day but this ain't about me this is about the article right so getting back to him talking about his uh, personal experience this is this is what he said he did um, He said even before applying to college, he got a job at Target working nights after school and on the weekends to save money for whatever his future plans might demand. Uh, once he got to college, he, he said he continued working multiple jobs through college, landed paid internships and writing gigs on the side, and managed social media properties for organizations. Uh, says the varied income from my smorgasbord of projects allowed me to take out a minimum of taxpayer funded loans and still make my monthly tuition installment payments he said when he earned his he, when he earned his degree he graduated with far less debt than the class of 2016 national average which was 37,172 now he said that's the class of 2016's average but all encompassing the 
overall average I think is a is a tick under 37 but it's in the 30s right so um, he talked about what um, Bessie DeVoe um, has presented right so it says she um, she's made progress with the college scorecard right so this is my first opinion this uh, it says which compares average earnings and student loan debt based on fields of study and led reforms to better inform students of the implications of the decisions they make. Further, every student who takes out loans must acknowledge each year that those dollars must be paid back. So it's all about being transparent, right? That's 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 what we're talking about. This 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 is the word of the of the night. Transparency. Let me know what it is it's not enough for you to tell me that my job field is going to increase 15 20 percent over the next decade but are my wage is going to increase at that rate and if we know anything about basic economics we know that real wages have not increased for a very long time cost of living has increased right we've all seen the meme of back like in 96 when you took 20 dollars to the grocery store and you got the, the buggy so big that you, you you need a tarp over it to keep stuff from falling over walk in the grocery store now you might get two gallons of milk a loaf of bread and a 24 case of water and they still may say that's 2085 right so that's not enough so obviously like i said i don't know enough about betsy devos i'm not again i'm not here to talk about betsy i know when she was elected um secretary of education it came with a lot of scrutiny because of um the way people said she handled the situation in the state of michigan and I wasn't passionate enough about it to follow up on the story. So if you have dislike for Betsy, I'm sorry that <laughs> you don't care about her giving out a college scorecard, right? So, okay. So let's get down to the, um, <clears throat> the meat of it, right? So he said that it's fundamentally unfair tax two-thirds of Americans no this is what Betsy said I'm sorry this is what Betsy said it's fundamentally unfair to ask two-thirds of Americans who don't go to college to pay the bills for the mere one-third who do let me tell you something right now one thing that I always heard growing up was and I know and I know y'all know what I'm about to say life isn't fair I've heard that my whole life. Life isn't fair. So, Bessie, I agree. It is fundamentally unfair. But throughout my 30 years of being here, I've always heard when someone said, isn't, that's not fair. An older person would come along and say, depending on the age, life isn't fair. Life isn't fair. So, if you can, <laughs> if you can get over on somebody or get over on something and and not 
uh, have to um, face the consequences right then and there, go for it. Right? Fundamentally unfair. So, so at the end, I'm uh, I'm closing this. Well, okay. Yeah, for the mere one-third who do. And it's even more unfair to those who have held up their end of the bargain and paid back their loans themselves to subsidize who don't save, plan, and pay. When you say who don't save, plan, and pay, what's the first word that comes to mind? It means that you're holding people accountable. You need to be accountable for your actions. Now, I remember, like I said, when I went to junior college, when, because I didn't, my father, fortunately enough, was in a position to where he could finance me going to college, right? Obviously, junior college tuition is not the same as a D1 school or Division II or anything like that. But I didn't have any student loan debt. But one of the things that I always used to see, and even had a girlfriend that would do it too at the, at the time is when it was time to get the refund check refund check was like man it was like income tax <laughs> for college students right and so what they would do is is they would get the refund check and i remember you know what let me not even go off on that let me just tell you a personal story i was in the guidance counselor office one day i was standing there waiting to talk to the guidance counselor there was a brother behind me. Well, he was on the side of me. He was talking to, um, how do I want to put this? It was like you had different counselors based on your major, right? So the person that I needed to talk to, um, the person I needed to talk to, she was busy. But the person he was talking to, they were free to talk. So... Just got his refund check, and he was dropping every single one of his classes. Dropping every single one of his classes. And and the counselor was like, "Are you are you you know are you sure? You know you need to have uh, so many to be considered a. Full- I think it was one of those situations where you had to have so many to be a full time student and to even qualify for assistance." So she was like, if you drop so many hours, then you're no longer be going to be considered a full-time student. You're going to be considered a partial, and you may not be eligible for uh, these benefits. And my man was like, man, you know, whatever you got to do, I just, it's too much. And so it was a dormitory, uh, probably half a mile down from where the dormitory that I lived in it. And after that the refund check came, it was like a ghost town. It was just that bidding that got it and left. Right? Got it and left. And you know, I'm not in it I you know, I'm not here to talk about anybody's situation. I know what I can't I can't sit up here and say that each and every one of those people went and did the same thing with their refund money. I can't. But I know a lot who did. Right? And so, it's kind of one of those things where it's like, 
like back in school, when the teacher would say, if everyone get if everyone is quiet, you know, we're gonna get ice cream Friday, we're gonna get pizza Friday, or we're gonna get to go outside. And everybody on their best behavior, and then you got that one knucklehead. Spitting paper, coughing loud for no reason, beating on the table, you know, we in here being quiet, he in there talking, and then at the end of the class, we, well, everyone wasn't quiet, so we don't get any pizza Friday. Now you, now you mad with him, right? So, when you put all of that together... There was a lot who got the money, who truly needed the money to actually try to get in the position to better themselves. And then just like anything else, because this is America, if there's a way that you can get by and just worry about the repercussions later, do it. Just like people took advantage of the PPP loan money, right? So they took advantage of that particular money at that particular time. And that was that, right? So, accountability, right? It's kind of like when people say, you know, I'm paying all this tax money for such and such to go lay up in a Section 8 house, right? It's along the same lines, right? So, um, so in conclusion of this article, it says, any, any unfairness in the current system is solely the fault of universities that offer costly degrees and classes and unmarketable specializations in the decades of federal bureaucratic blunders like lifting the cap on the amount of federal student loans one can take out that allowed education costs to skyrocket. Student loan forgiveness won't help those with useless degrees get jobs. It won't stop the ballooning cost of education. It won't make America's economy more just. While student loan forgiveness might feel good to the leftists, now I don't I don't like using those type of terms. Leftist, right wing, left wing. I don't like using those type of terms. This this is his rhetoric, right? Who see it as an easy play to buy support, all it would do is harm. That's his opinion, right? So I was listening to another podcast. And this particular person had a completely different view on the situation. He looked at it from a standpoint that if you free up individuals from the burden of student loan debt, then that is going to have a massive boom in the economy because they're going to be wanting to go spend more. They're going to want to build houses they're going to want to go start families. They're going to want to go buy cars and stuff like that. Because I've heard some people have a minimum payment of like seven, dollars $800 a month, you know, in student loans. And they're paying that and still having to, you know, juggle this thing that they call life. So that could be extra money. You know, if you want to invest in the market, that extra $700, you can invest that in the stock market. So he looked at it as a way to take a burden that people were taking advantage of. They shouldn't necessarily be held accountable in totality for being taken advantage of. But at a certain point, you know, you should have maybe came to your senses. So he was like, but, you know, 
It should do it for the betterment of the, you know, for the American economy, right? So, when I heard that, you know, because I was on the side, I was kind of like, man, you know, my whole anti-post-education, post-secondary education thing, I'm like, man, you know, they running a racket, you know? So, you just... You just got hemmed up in it, and you know if you can make it out, you can make it out because there's some who are who are proud to say, "I paid my student loan debt off." You know, I I made a lot of sacrifice. I did it. You know, and there may come some tension amongst individuals who paid their student loan debt off versus ones who may fall under this forgiveness plan that may or may not see the light of day. You know, it just depends. But, you know, when he said that, I looked at it, I said, well, you know, I've read, I recently done a podcast about this where they were talking about that it was so many other people, there's so many millennials and going to be Gen Xers who don't have the financial stability to move out. They have to stay with their parents. And so with them staying with their parents, it's forcing some of their parents who are about to retire, they have to postpone retirement because they still need the full benefit of the job because they're still taking care of the house and still taking care of a child. Um, Well, I'm not going to say a child, an adult now who isn't able to find a job that adequately pays them enough that they can afford an apartment as well as afford themselves the ability to um, pay the student loan debt, right? So they got to be able to save money in the way they can. So when he said that, it just gave, you know, it really just gave me another outlook on life, you know, when I looked at it like that, because it's like, yeah, you know. But that doesn't necessarily mean that that could be beneficial because. Anytime a person uses the word leftist or something like that, and we're talking about something like student loan forgiveness, then the first word is going to come up is like, okay, now y'all want to offer socialism, right? But I'm not touching on that. But I have a I have a book review coming up um, about a book that I, I read and about um, talking about the, the current state of <laughs> what could be Ended up being uh, socialism, and it's um, Elizabeth Warren, um, AOC, and uh, Bernie Sanders, right? So, uh, so I'm gonna be doing that book review. So y'all, y'all, y'all be on the lookout for that. And I'm gonna do my book reviews. My podcast does, comes out on Thursdays, so I'm probably either gonna do my book reviews on Tuesdays or Mondays. I just I I have to figure it out. You know, but that's it. But anyway, what are your thoughts? Do you feel that student loans should be forgiven? Do you feel that people need to, as they say, buckle up their, you know, pull the boots up, pull the bootstraps, pull the bootstraps up, and work harder? Or are you in the are you in the minority? Like you know. It, it's really not something that I, I pay much attention to, so I don't really have an opinion on, on the matter whatsoever, right? But, um, yeah. But, it's another episode of the Paradigm 132 Podcast.
Be sure to hit the like button. Subscribe. Be back to you again next week. Peace.